0: Honored to have Pastor Reverend the Great Bishop Julius uh, Marar. Uh, he's been a friend of our church for a long time, and we're just so honored to have him here. I'd like you to stand as, uh, and welcome him as he comes.
1: Wow. I'm honored. I'm honored. I'm honored. Thank you, guys. Please be seated. Please be seated, thank you, I'm honored. (laughs) Wow. My name is Julius Morar. Hard to forget if you've been to Dairy Queen and have had Orange Julius. (laughs) Every time you order that, remember me. They don't send me a percentage, but that's okay, you know. As long as they are advertising my name, I, it's all right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing? Good. Amen. 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 Sunday is a special day. You know, it's not just a blessed day. It's a holy day. Yeah. Yes. I mean, rest of the days may be uh, the best and good or whatever, but Sunday is a special. It excites me uh, because uh, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord, you know. I don't care much about the seven-day Adventists, but I do care about seven-day absentists. <laughs> there are a lot of seven-day absentists. They are absent on the seven-day. And I care about them. Where are they? Yes, they need to be in the house of the Lord, right? Yeah. You know, it's so funny that uh, there is a medicine called aspirin. It works very well. On Monday through Saturday, people have their aches and pains and all of that. They take two pills, get out, fishing, hunting, everything. It doesn't work on Sunday mornings. Oh, I got so much pain here and pain there. Get some aspirin. They need to make some Sunday special aspirin. Get out of that pain and ache and get to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Yes. You need to be in the house. We'll talk about it. But I bring greetings from uh, my family, one wife and one son. Yes, you got to make it clear. Because uh, someone asked me that, hey, Brother Julius, In Old Testament, they used to have multiple wives, like polygamy. Do you have any verse in the New Testament that would stop us from not having more than one wife? I said, well, I don't know how exactly I can explain that, but check this out. In New Testament, it says, a man cannot serve two masters. And one is good enough for me. Brother, I don't want no more masters. Hallelujah. If you have a picture of my family, you can put that on. And uh, that will give you an idea that uh, who they are and who is my master. My master is right in the middle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's Ruth. And then uh, that's Jonathan. And uh, I think your prayer works. Because last year I was here. And uh, with all the things that I needed in the ministry, I said, would you guys please pray for my son to get a wife and we get married. He's 33, 34 years old. And uh, finally, his mother told him that, Jonathan, either you are going to find a wife by the end of this year or we do. (laughs) And he told me, he said, Dad, I went into my room and I cried to the Lord and said, Lord, don't let that happen. So finally, you found one, and uh, he's going to get married next year on, the, on March 16th. So thank God. Your prayer works. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so we didn't have to do that, all right? But uh, you see that pretty lady in the middle. My mother sought that for me. I had never, ever seen Ruth before I got married. When she walked down the aisle on the day of ceremony, I looked at her, I was eager, I wanted to see her, so I looked at her and my mama was sitting on the first aisle and I looked at my mama and I said, thank you. <laughs> I don't know what Ruth told to her parents, I don't know about that. She never told me that, is this what you find for me? You know what I mean? <laughs> but looks like she's happy. <laughs> uh, it was due to uh, a sudden... Uh, attack on my family. They tried to kidnap my son, Jonathan, when he was seven, eight years old. And uh, uh, it was, you know, when it, it happens to you, it's, you can take it, but when it happened to your family, and I think I'm responsible to take care of my family, you know, their protection. So I brought them over here to the United States, and now we got our citizenship. So Ruth and Jonathan basically uh, are stationed in uh, California. The best place on earth is California. Southern California, 74 degrees year round. How about that? (laughs) Yes. But I tell you what, one thing was very interesting. What a warmth here in the presence of the Lord in such a cold country. Wow. Thank you, guys. When I entered here, I just, I was trembling. I just felt the presence of the Lord here. What a warmth. Your worship is so organic, it's not uh, agenda. Wise, it's so spontaneous, and that's what God loves. You know, we have made everything so uh, organized, and so sometimes we need to get out of and be Jack out of the box. You know, I mean, uh, just just feel the presence of the Lord. You know, uh, when God talked to Moses, says, "Take your shoes off," and because the place where you are standing is a holy ground, and he looked around; he's a holy ground. No, it's a wilderness. What are you talking? There is no carpet here. There is no chair here. There is nothing. And God said, my presence makes it holy. It's not our carpet. It's not our stuff that makes it holy. It's the Lord's presence that makes the place holy. And I could feel the presence. So be in that presence. Hallelujah. It is wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord. So thank you so much. Uh, You can turn the lights on if you want to. But... uh, I'm going to show you some videos so you can get connected. Let me just give you a uh, brief history of the, the work that I'm part of. I come from India. How many of you guys know uh, that India is mentioned in the Bible? $5 to you if you tell me where. Okay, all right. <laughs> Do you know where? Uh, Thank you. Uh, Yeah, thank you for Google, right? (laughs) It comes way back from Esther. If you guys have watched that movie, uh, One Night with the King by Tommy Tanney, and he uh, shot the whole movie in India. So India goes way back over there. In fact, uh, they said, that Columbus was in search of India, and he landed to this part of the world, and he thought that he has come to India, and uh, that's why he named them Indian. It was good; he was not in search of Turkey. <laughs> so, <clears throat> hallelujah! I am the full-blooded Indian. Nobody matches my Indian chip. Okay, my (laughs) you know, people are proud of their Indian thing here. You know, I'm this tribe and that tribe. Well, I'm the tribe of India. So praise God for that. Thank you, Pastor Bob, Sister, Pastor Shar. You guys have such a great impact on my personal life. So I was telling that uh, in 1909, God gives a vision to an American young lady, 19 years of age from Indianapolis, Indiana, Christ Temple. Next week, next Sunday, I'll be preaching in Christ Temple, Indianapolis, Indiana. And God asked her to go to India. Yeah, it didn't spell as Hawaii, it was India. (laughs) And God said, yes, it is India, that's where you are going. Her parents said, she's 19 years old, and she was still with her parents, and they said, no, you are not going to India, India is a, Country full of snakes and tigers. Well, we still have snakes and we still have tigers. (laughs) And we don't settle for less, we got cobras. And king cobras. Yeah, king cobras are at least 12 to 13 feet long. I killed three cobras in my room, in my house over there in India. One was underneath my dining table. Yeah, I said, well, I don't eat you or neither you are going to eat me, but uh, we killed it, yeah. I mean, people ask me, how do you kill? Well, you don't need a lot of strength. They are not elephants, okay? (laughs) But you need a big, huge heart (laughs) to get close to that because they can stand on their tail and they can talk to you face to face. (laughs) And (laughs) I remember one time, uh, my wife, she comes from Calcutta. I think my mother didn't do a good job on that. Because when she came to my place, Calcutta is a huge, big metropolitan city, so she had never seen any snake out there, you know, maybe in zoo or something like that. But when she came down to my place, my place is infested with cobras. So one night we were sleeping outside, it was, we didn't have air condition, so we had a mosquito net on our bed. And uh, Ruth has already told me, she said, yeah, Julius, I would like to see a snake, a cobra. I said, okay, you know, you never know. So we sleep sleeping, and I heard some kind of hiss. And I opened my eyes, and there was a six-foot cobra lying on top of the mosquito net. And it was so heavy that it has sagged the mosquito net, almost touching our face. So I woke her up. I said, hey, Ruth, you want to see a snake? And she was, she was half asleep. She said, yeah, yeah, right. I said, look right here. And she screamed. She said, I didn't mean that close. I said, I didn't invite that snake, okay? (laughs) uh, What a close encounter. (laughs) But praise God, you know, every year, 30 to 40,000 Indians die of cobra bite. But I have never seen, never knew, nobody ever told me like my dad, my grandfather, that a Christian man has ever died of snake bite. Never ever ever. Hallelujah. Our God is a good God. Amen. Amen. Still upon the throne. So, Sister McCarty, her name was McCarty, Dorothy McCarty. She, she goes to India. Long story short, there she found my grandfather and grandmother. I did not know about Jesus. But this young girl from Indianapolis, Indiana, took a boat and went to India and there. She met my grandfather and grandmother, told them about the love of Jesus. They accepted Jesus. They got the vision. And she said, let us go and spread this good news to the place where people have never, ever heard the name of Jesus. So they traveled. She landed on the west side of India, which is Mumbai or Bombay. And then they traveled right in the heart of Hinduism, Buddhism, you name it, right in the midst of that. And they established the work in 1911, and I'm here to tell you that I'm a part of that 1911 gospel started preaching thing, and that work is still continuing on. It is still in full force preaching the gospel in spite of persecution, everyday threat, and all of that. I can go on and on and Telling about how we are threatened and everything. But I'm here to tell you that my God, his hands are not shortened yet. That he cannot save. Every time I go back to India, I take one way ticket. And I have already told Ruth. I said, Ruth, if I am killed over there, if I die for Jesus, I will take it as an honor. Hallelujah. Instead of dying on 63 or 53, I would rather die for Jesus. You know, I mean, people die every day, right? There is only one life. He died for me. He came all the way from heaven and he gave his life for me. He shed his blood for me. Don't you think it's our time to do something for him? If I can just be used uh, for, for, for his gospel preaching, for his truth preaching, I will take it as an honor. And uh, I thank God that uh, as long as God is not through with me, I can uh, go down into lion's den or go into the Uh, You know, lake of, I mean, the pit of fire, whatever. He will take me out. I said, Julius, you got to go back and do the work of the Lord. And uh, last year I was here, I uh, showed you a video about the sanctuary or the church that, uh, as a mother church, we got several churches now. And the roof was in bad shape. And you guys came together, supported me, helped me monetarily. I would like to show that picture if you, video, it's two minute video, uh, roof, yes. So that's the building, Tabernacle Church, that's what we call. And uh, it's right in the middle of a Hindu community. Uh, This is the old roof, and uh, we had to put tarp and uh, cover it, that it would not leak inside. But then we began the work in January and tore down everything. And uh, we used to have our services. There is a hall, a school hall. So for six weeks, we were in there. Thank God the trusses were still intact and they were good. So we did have to put. But then we started putting the new profile sheet, the metal sheet, whatever you call it. And the Lord blessed us. And we were able to finish it on time, in time. And also this is the new one. Look at how nice that looks. It is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is being preached in India also. Yeah. So we have choir practice and look at even the kids uh, get into that. And uh, all these people that you see have come to the Lord, leaving all other. Praise the Lord, Pastor Bob, Pastor Shar, and everyone at Rice Lake. Thank you so much. I'm standing in front of our Peace Tabernacle Church because of the grace of God and because of your support, we were able to put the new roof on this sanctuary. Today was the day. When we entered into our sanctuary for five or six weeks, we were out. We were having our services in our school hall. But thank God that today we were able to get in there. We got it finished. We rejoiced it. People are so happy. People are so blessed. I want to thank you for the goodness of God and for your concern and your generosity. May God bless you all. Thank you again. Rice Lake, World Harvest, you are out there. You put that roof on over there. This video is not just to show what we did over there. This video is for you to get connected, that you are not just surrounded with these four four walls. The very name, World Harvest, is World Harvest. You are going across the world, And helping us preach the gospel. Jesus said that. Go to all nations. Amen. Amen. And thank God for this church. That you guys are there to support us. And help us. And do appreciate what you do for us. And uh, I would like to show another video. That uh, in 2020 when everything locked down. I started the route. I didn't know how to reach to people. Because we do a lot of outdoor activities and uh, crusades and public meetings. But that was all shut down. So we took the route of internet and we started preaching over internet, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. And uh, I didn't know how this thing is going to go about. People are in distance, how am I going to reach to them? Well, so we kept preaching, I mean 24 seven because I was stuck here in California, so I would do it in daytime. It was night in India. When it was night here, those people started preaching because it was daytime over there. So 24-7, constantly, we're preaching the gospel. And finally, I mean, I would read all the comments. I would let it people write it. A lot of people wrote this and that, but that's okay. And finally, I read one comment that said that we are dying here without food. We have no way, no means, and if nobody gets to us, we all are going to die. And that comment was kind of disturbing. I said, who is this guy? So I called India and I said, find this guy. That uh, Why is he saying that we all are going to die? And we, f- we found out that this guy is from a tribe. And uh, they are only 30 miles away from the city, Gorakhpur, where I live. And we have the headquarters. And they are given a piece of land by the government, they live on it and they are called listed tribe or uh, government uh, protected tribe. Later on, I found out that they are the remnant of the tribe of Dan, one of the sons of Jacob. See, we are more closer to Israel or to that land uh, than you guys. So when everything began to flourish and uh, uh, the world began to be populated, instead of pushing towards west, things started uh, pushing towards east. And India is only three and a half hours from Israel, like from New York to Denver. Well, that's not far, still in the country, right? So we are only that far, and these people got stuck there in India, India being a Hindu country, They were not very much recognized. So they lived as like completely forgotten. And they lived on day-to-day begging. They would go to house to house and beg for food and all the other stuff. And they have no means, they are not educated. There is no school for them. Uh, The society keeps away from them. And they were stuck right there. And when the pandemic hit, nobody would let them come in and take the arms, they were shut out, and in fact, the leader of the tribe told me that he was planning a mass suicide, because he couldn't see uh, the children of the tribe die without food, and uh, we took the matter in our hand, and we said, we are going to take care of you guys, we started supplying them all the grains, all the food, and everything, they regained their spirit, the faith, and over Thousand of them received Jesus as their one and only personal Savior. <laughs> Hallelujah. We have already baptized over 600 of them, and another 400 are waiting to be baptized. Let's put on uh, this uh, uh, World Harvest title. All right. So they invited me uh, when I went, finally went back to India, and uh, I didn't know what am I going to get into. This is the village that they live in. Very, very poor. You cannot go poorer than them. I mean, they have nothing in their house, uh, not even a door or window. And that's where I'm sitting with the mask and all of that. And about <laughs> 700, 800 of them were sitting there over 600 of them have been baptized how about that praise God for that and now we are feeding them Uh, we started like feeding them once a month and once a week and now we have to feed them on a daily basis they are very very poor folks I mean this meal is like a feast uh, for them and also, we rescue the girls that are from trafficking, human life. trafficking. And that girl was already sold Thank you, folks. Thank you for $100. And your love. We are able to feed over 100 children, their mothers, their parents. And they are very, very poor people. They don't even, I mean, this is the, one of the best meals that they might have in a month or so. And the utens- utensils, uh, the pan and the pot uh, that you guys helped us. To give it to them, and they have already cooked the food. with them, in spite of their poverty, they love the Lord. They have uh, such a passion for the Word of God. They have not left their faith just because of the material things that they don't have. Can you pause right there, brother? Can you pause it? Yeah. All right. you see that banner out there? Aww. They said, would you please take it and give it to the people? You have a heart for us. They put their hands on this banner. They prayed for this church. They said, what can we give it to them? I said, just give your heart to Jesus and they will be happy. Yeah. Amen. Remain in faith and they will be happy. So this is for you, from the tribe, lost tribe of them, from Indian Khandhar Tola, India. Pastor Bob, this is yours. I want you to get connected. And uh, feel that God is not just given you a vision in this part of the world. He said, start from Jerusalem. Yes, you need to. But make sure that this gospel must be preached to the end of the world. And you guys are doing it. You guys are doing it. I mean, we are out there, no doubt. But because of your support, I salute America and Americans. I salute people like you who have the heart. There was a big amount given in one of the churches last week. And I told people, I said, it doesn't surprise me that people don't have money. It surprises me that people have heart to give to the mission. That's where the faith comes in. Go ahead, brother. Play it. It's a little bit more. All yeah. right. Thank you, Pastor Bob. Thank you, Pastor Shar. I'm here at uh, the tribal village and today uh, because of your support and your help I'm able to take care of them and we are going to have a lunch and a feast kind of thing and uh, this is where World Harvest is in India in a tribal village that is also called the Lost Tribe of Dan and uh, we just had a nice song about when Jesus was in this world Uh, he did many miracles and he still does those miracles. So thank you so very much for helping and supporting us. Uh, We're still trying to get the land in our possession uh, because there are a lot of restriction from the government and from the society. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, it's a long story. So, but eventually we are going to get it uh, no matter what because our Lord's hands is not shortened yet that he cannot save. But once again, thank you so very much for all your support And all your love, somebody, (laughs) you guys help them to have this feast. This is a feast for them. That's just a little rice and some curry. Thank you. And uh, they just love it and they bless you guys. And Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me food. So Ruth and I were there. And uh, there was special need at that place. This was completely dry, and there has been a drought, but Ruth and I visited, prayed, and it rained so hard. That look, yep, yep, the whole yep. reservoir <laughs> is filled with water. For three How years, there was not even a drop in that reservoir. And Ruth and I stretched our hand and prayed, and next week, it got filled. Up. <laughs> we have started a school, Peace Children's Home School there. And uh, the Lord is blessing us. We are doing everything that we can do to take care of these poor and unprivileged people. They have been forgotten. But thank you. Thank you, Rice Lake. Thank you, World Harvest, for not forgetting that there is people out there that needs Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, the only thing we need right now, as you saw, the water reservoir. The water is out of the rain and it's dirty. It's dirty. They don't have no way to purify. They drink that same water, and I felt so bad. And if we can put a water purifier over there, that would be very uh, convenient and also healthy uh, for them. So pray that God would give us enough uh, resources that we can put a plant, a small plant, to purify the water so they can uh, drink that pure water. Amen? Hallelujah. Let me tell you something that's going on in this world is... Israel and Palestine, right? Yeah, that's the heart item right now. <laughs> wow. Uh, I don't know how many people even know about the whole stuff uh, and that's going on. And do, we do pray for Israel. But uh, <clears throat> how many of you know Israel, right? Yeah, how many of you know that Israel is not just a country? It's the name of a man named Jacob, right? Yes, God gave him the name. How many of you know the city of Jerusalem? Everybody knows. How many of you know the Temple Mount? Have you heard of Temple Mount? Okay. Do you know what's up there? Okay. Can somebody? Uh, Dome of the rock. Yeah. And what dome of another? There's another dome. Huh? The dome of the chain. How many of you heard of that? Dome of the rock, everybody knows because the dome is visible. But right in front of that is dome of the chain. If you Google it, you'll find it. And then the third thing is Al-Aqsa Mosque that the Muslim claim. But the problem is that do we know that how the Muslims got up there? But that's not my story, I'm just trying to draw your attention on that. Try to find out what that dome of the chain is. Yeah, what, what, what connection, the chain and all of that, but maybe later. I'm here to tell you that when the disciple came to Jesus, go ahead, take your Bibles, and let's open up Matthew chapter 24. I'm not going to take much of your time. And uh, as Elizabeth Taylor told her fifth husband that I'm not going to keep you for long, that's what I'm going to tell you. Okay. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So 24th chapter of Matthew, that's where the whole index is. You know, when you read a book, and if it's a very thick book, instead of just going pages, one page after one page, you go to the index and try to find out your need. What do you want to read? What are the chapters in that? So 24th chapter of Matthew. And I'm not preaching here because you got one of the best Preachers right here, I watch you guys, Pastor Shar, Pastor Bob, I, and I enjoy that preaching. Wherever I am, thank God for internet, and thank God for live broadcast. Wherever, it's in, in, in India, it's nighttime, and it's so good, it's so convenient for me. I can turn on my Facebook, and I watch you guys, and I tell you what, I draw so much anointing from it. There is something going on in this church. Things have changed here. I've been coming for the last several years. And things have changed here. I can feel the presence. Believe me, after a long, long, long time, I felt the presence of the Lord that I have not felt in many, many years. I travel across the world, go to many churches here in the States, in India and all those places. But the presence is so strong here. It's an old time revival kind of thing going on here. Keep it on, folks. Keep it on because your enemy is right out the door trying to devour, trying to take everything out of you. But if you remain in his word, this anointing will continue. And Pastor Bob and Pastor Shar, I want to say that God is up to something through this church. If you guys would let God use you, this church is going to be a very powerful house. Not just a lighthouse, a powerhouse. The power will be produced right here and will illuminate the world around you and across the world. Let's close your eyes. I just feel like Praying for this, this anointing here. In the name of Jesus the Nazareth. Mm, thank you Jesus. I want to be the part of that anointing. That you guys are enjoying here. Believe me. That's, that's my hunger. That's my thirst. I thirst after you Lord. Thank you Jesus. Bless this place. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. God is doing miracles in India. A family, Hindu family, uh, never knew Jesus. And uh, one day, one of the daughters was going to deliver a baby. So she went to the hospital, and when the baby was delivered, it was stillborn. The doctor said, there is no hope for this baby. The grandmother of that baby happened to be there. She's a Hindu. They worship 365 million gods and uh, they just don't know the true God. So she took the baby, that's grandchild, and began to cry out to all her Hindu gods, this God and that God, bring my baby back to life again. Her five-year-old, another grandchild happened to be there and she pulled the the sari or the dress of her grandmother and said, Grandma, Grandma, why don't you call upon Jesus? And she looked at her like, who Jesus? What Jesus? Well, she's one of the students of our school. And she said, in our school, they have taught that Jesus can even raise the dead. So you have already given the call to all your God. Don't, why don't you just call upon Jesus? And she said, okay, I don't know. And she's, she, she was desperate. And she said, Jesus... If you are the true God, bring back my baby back to life again. And immediately that tiny baby opened its eyes. Hallelujah. Began to move. And that baby is a three-year-old child now. Hallelujah. God is moving. Your faith moves God. So the disciples came to Jesus and asked him that, Sir, when will these things happen? Give us the clue. And instead of Jesus saying, all right, Matthew chapter 24 and verse number four. And Jesus answered and said unto them, this thing will take place in 1999. (laughs) And if it doesn't happen, then it may be 2000. If it doesn't happen in 2000, maybe 2020 will bring it. I don't know. Jesus. (laughs) Wow. That's what we are being deceived of. We have billboards May 29, Jesus is coming, 1999. I don't know whether they still have that sign out there or not. The first thing Jesus said take heed that no man what deceive you that no man deceive you that's how you start looking around am i being deceived and for many shall come in my name and saying i am christ and you will hear the rumors and war and rumors of war all of that but the whole idea of Jesus telling them or giving them the index of the events happening is found in the 44th verse of the same chapter. Therefore, be ye also, everybody say ready. Ready. The whole idea is to make you ready. Jonathan is going to get married, my only son. So marriage is very much on my mind, me and Ruth, of course. The Eastern culture wedding is completely different than Western culture. Your thinking of marriage is completely different than what we practice and what we think of. You have to understand that Jesus is not coming back on Christmas. This, it won't be another Christmas, okay? As much as we prepare ourselves for Christmas, there won't be no next Christmas. I mean, I'm not talking about 25th of December. What I'm saying, Jesus is not coming back into a manger again. The next event would be on the cloud, and he's not coming as a baby of Joseph and Mary. He's coming as the bridegroom for the church. Amen. For his bride. Amen? Amen. So the whole idea about being, ready see, a marriage is only successful as much as you prepare for it. If you don't prepare, if you are not ready for You know, that's why you take time when you guys date. And finally one day you kneel down. And present that ring and says, will you marry me? She said, I'm not ready. (laughs) Get out of here. (laughs) How would you feel that? Your bridegroom has already prepared everything. He came into this world and he said, are you ready? Would you say, say, thank you. (laughs) Would you say to Jesus? Say yes to? Say yes to? Amen. But the problem is, are you ready? Are you, have you prepared yourself? And that's all Jesus said. Guys, all that you have to do, look around all the things, go Facebook, go YouTube, and find out all the videos, but make sure that you are ready. Then Jesus carries on the same thing. On the 25th chapter of Matthew. And now he's talking about a marriage, a wedding ceremony. Right? Amen. See, it is so important that in the 13th chapter of Hebrew, the Bible says that not your birthday, not your anniversary, not your graduation, not your game. Marriage is honorable in all. But God, I thought it was my graduation. No, I thought it was my education. No, I thought it was my first day of going to job. No, marriage is honorable in all. And this morning, you are on a trip to know what marriage really is because as I said, according to the Western culture, Western mind, marriage is completely different than what we practice over there in India and in that area, and that's according to the Bible. So Jesus is talking about 10 virgins. You remember that story? All right, so finally, bridegroom is taking its time, it says, and the bridegroom tarries. Finally, he comes at midnight. Now, I got you guys, because in your culture, there is no marriage at midnight, right? All the marriages are daytime. But in India, all the marriages take place at midnight. I got married at midnight, so for me, it's much easier to understand, yeah, of course. And that's why when that chapter opens up, the foolish were already labeled as foolish. Reason, you live in that culture, 10 virgins, you know that he's going to come at midnight, why didn't you prepare yourself for that night? Because at night, you need light. You need extra oil. You are in that culture. And how, how, how come you did not prepare yourself, not make yourself ready? Does that word ring somewhere? Ready? All right. Because that's what I'm preaching. Ready. Are you ready? Let's read the 10th verse of the chapter 25th. Can you read that? Just one line. If you find that word, just stop there. The 10th verse. Of Matthew chapter 24. Read it aloud, everybody. And those they were. That's it. Don't go further. <laughs> the whole point of Jesus telling the story is not about the virgins and how good looking, how tall, how you know, thin, fat, whatever. They that Were ready. Went into the house. Were they black? Maybe. Were they white? Maybe. Were they brown? Maybe. It doesn't matter as long as they were ready. ready. The whole point is, are you ready for the bridegroom when he shows up? Because the whole thing about marriage is how you get ready. In our culture... When marriage is fixed, and of course it's a arranged marriage. As I said, I had never seen my wife Ruth, never had no contact, didn't even know her full name like Ruth, Veronica, whatever. I I didn't even know, I didn't even care because it was the responsibility of my parents to do that. Hallelujah. A suitcase is prepared by the mother or the family, if mother is there, fine. Otherwise, sister or the ladies of the bridegroom side, they buy a brand new suitcase. And in that suitcase, there are three things that are kept. And that whole thing is for the bride. Uh, uh, Yes, for the bride, three things. The dress of the wedding, the ornament of the wedding, and the cosmetic of the wedding. These are the three things that are kept in that suitcase. And when the bridegroom goes to the house of the bride, a day before that suitcase is presented in the hands of the bride. My mother took that suitcase and went to Ruth's house. Ruth came out and that suitcase was given to her. She opened the suitcase and everything on the ceremony day, on the wedding ceremony, she has to wear, take everything that comes from that suitcase. She cannot use anything of her own except her body, nothing. The cosmetics has to be used from that suitcase. The dress of the wedding, that has to be whatever it comes from there, inside, out, no matter what, from the suitcase. Revelation chapter three, if you have your Bibles with you. Revelation, what word are we talking about? Everybody say ready. See, that's the first part when you get into the race, right? Ready. If you are not ready, you are not steady. And if you are not steady, you cannot go. <laughs> it's ready, steady, and go. Our problem is we have not even found the first part ready. Sir, I want to go, but I'm not ready. But the, the, the process of running and getting to the point is ready, steady, and go. Revelation chapter 3. Verse number 18. If you want to put it on the, on the screen. That would be nice. But it says I counsel thee. The bridegroom is counseling you. And he's giving those three things. To the bride. To get ready. <laughs> I counsel thee to buy of me gold. Tried in the fire. That thou mayst be what? Rich. How rich are you? We keep complaining about our wealth. I don't have that much. No, he's not talking about your gold that you dig out from the ground. The, the gold and the white raiment. That the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. We got naked right there in Garden of Eden. You know that. That was the thing. I, I didn't say that. Ada, Adam said, hey, uh, you know, we ate the fruit and we found ourselves naked. Ooh, wow. What happened? That the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salves. In one translation, it says ointment. It's, it's like, a, uh, like an ointment. It's like a uh, medicine. That helps you regain your eyesight. Three things. The dress of the wedding. The ornament of the wedding. And the cosmetic of the wedding. And let me deal with these three things. And I'll be through with that. So the the gold. Bible talks about gold. And gold is compared with your faith. Your faith. Faith pleases God. The first time when I came out of India to come to the United States. I took a flight, but it was not a direct flight, so I went to Thailand. I wanted to buy something. I went to the store, and I got the thing, and I said, all right, I need to pay, and I took out my Indian money that's called rupees. And that guy said, sir, that money doesn't work here. I said, it's money, it works in India. Yeah, maybe, but this is Thailand. How can I get the thing? He said, well, go and get it exchanged, Get the baht, B-H-A-T, Bhat for Thailand. So I exchanged my Indian rupee into baht. From there, I came to Japan uh, because I had to take that flight uh, by stopping several places. So in Japan, I wanted to, I was hungry, so I went to the uh, restaurant. I said, can I have some coffee or some toast? Or something. Yeah, sure. And then he gave me a bill. And I said, all right, I've got Indian money right here. And I took that money out. He said, what is that? I said, that's Indian money. No, sir. That won't work. I said, oh, okay, you would take bhat from Thailand. He said, no, what are you talking? It's Japan, we need yen. Yen is the currency of this country. Oh, okay, where can I get it? Well, go to the exchange booth and get it. your money exchange. So I got yen and I paid that. From there I came to America and went to Walmart. The green pastures, right? (laughs) And I bought something and I pulled out my wallet with three currencies, Indian rupee, Thailand baht, and Japan yen. And I was so proud. I said, I'm going to give it to them, whatever they take. And that lady looked at me. She said, what are these, sir? I said, these are money. Said, to me, it looks like monopoly money. Are are you here to play monopoly? I said, no, ma'am, these are real money from India, from Thailand, from Japan. She said, maybe, but this is USA. So what do you take? We take green American dollar. Where can I get it? Go and get yourself exchange. I mean, take all the money out and turn into dollar. I came out of Walmart and sat in my car, and I thought for a moment, I said, Every country in this world has their own currency. And there is a country that we are about to go. What is the currency of heaven? Faith is the currency and the money of heaven. Hallelujah. If you want to do a business with God, only currency that will work is faith. 11th chapter of Hebrew, those people were dealing with God Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of them. But they had the currency of heaven without faith. It is impossible to please God. If you don't have faith, all that you are left is with fear. And you know, when you have fear, you you do things that you are not supposed to do. So there was this bad guy. He He was a bad man. But one day he got mad. So bad and mad, that's not a good combination, right? Well... He, he wanted to, went out his frustration, so he goes back to his home, and he has a chicken pin. So he goes to all the chicken, he said, I'm, I'm really mad, guys, I'm really frustrated. So tomorrow morning, everyone will lay two eggs for me. Not one, two eggs for me. Well, next morning, he goes to the pin, and guess what? Everyone has laid two eggs for him, except one. So he goes to that guy, he said, how dare you did not lay two eggs for me, you just have one. And he looked at the guy and said, "Sir, I'm not supposed to lay no eggs because I'm a rooster." <laughs> the fear will make you lay an egg even if you are a <laughs> even if you are a rooster. When you have faith,, when you have faith, you have no fear, folks. A few years ago. We ordered some Bible to distribute it in Nepal. We work in Nepal, also Nepalese people didn 't have no Bible, about three hundred Bibles. So we went to the border and our borders are open. Uh, Indians and Nepalese can come in and go out. no problem, no visa, no passport. but we have to register our vehicle so I got off to the went to the office to get my vehicle registered and the local pastor from Nepal came he met us at the border and he looked like he was scared. I said, what happened? And he said, sir, there is a riot in the city that where we are going to distribute the Bible. Can we postpone this program and we'll do it later on? And I looked at him. I said, what about the people? Oh, the people are already gathered there, but the police and the local people have a clash and it's like a war zone there. I mean, they're burning tires and throwing uh, rocks and all of that. And I don't think we can go through that city and the park, we had that in park. It has to be the other side of the city, you know? And he said, Can we do it later? Well, Ruth was with me, so I went to her. I said, Ruth, what do you think? This pastor is saying that uh, it's not uh, good to go over there and uh, it's kind of dangerous. And Ruth said, I'm with you. And I had to remind myself, are you a faith guy or are you have fear? And I told that local pastor, I said, get in my vehicle. We are going there. And he said, no, don't do that. Don't do that. I said, just get in the car. We are driving. And I started driving and As close we were getting to that city, that pastor started speaking in tongues. And when locals started speaking in tongues, that's a danger zone, okay? We went to the other side, and you would not be, I have pictures, that we were the only vehicle on the street. It looked like God had put a shield around us. The the public couldn't see us, the police could see us, and we just weirded ourselves through that right thing, the tires were burning this side, the rocks were this side, it was like a water. That's what you call expert. Thank you, brother. (laughs) And uh, he said, I'm a Hindu priest. And all my life, I have gone to the temple. And I have worshipped my idols and all of that. I had never knew that my body is the temple of living God. Can your Jesus forgive my sins? I said, He can forgive whatever sin you have. He accepted the Lord right there. We gave him a Bible. He's preaching out there in Nepal right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> your faith, it's not about fear, it's faith. God has given many times. God has to, Jesus has to ask, Where is thy faith? Come on, guys, you need to take it out and pay by yourself that is the gold of the wedding are you ready with your faith or you are two Sundays in and five Sundays out and you know I'm make sure that you have that ornament when a thief comes in the house he's not looking for the grand piano okay (laughs) he doesn't even have a big truck to haul it he's looking for the gold if he's coming that, if that your enemy is coming, he's coming to steal your faith. Make you question about faith. Is it right? Is it this? Is it this? Have faith in Jesus. And the second thing is the dress of the wedding. Dress of the wedding. That is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Job said that I put on righteousness and it clothed me. That the shame of thy nakedness. Can you imagine? A bride without the clothes? Does it make any sense? And here we are completely exposed without the righteousness of Jesus Christ? And not only that, we are trying to find religion. Pastor Bob made it mention. He said, it's not about religion. It is about righteousness. Amen. Religion is man trying to find God. Righteousness, God found man Amen. and came into this earth. It is not my good works. It is the complete work of salvation Amen. through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The ladies were married, when you bought your gown or your Wedding dress. What did you do? Just threw it in the corner. Well, I wear it, you know. You took care of it. Nobody dared to touch my wedding gown. You had it hang somewhere. And you would go and take care of it every day. Yeah, it's there. It's there. Every morning when you get up, ask God to cover you with the blood of Jesus Christ. The white raiment is the dress. You know, when Ruth walked down the aisle, yes, I wanted to see her face. But before I could get to the face, I saw that sari. I saw the dress. Because I and my mother went and bought that. When you present yourself in front of God, God knows who you are. But he's looking at the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He's looking at the blood. He's looking at the blood. Hallelujah. A beautiful example of Isaac blessing Jacob. Isaac couldn't see. But he said, come near to me. And he touched him. You know, at first, Jacob must have thought, wait a minute. He's calling me near. Why is he calling me so? I mean, I'm, I'm Jacob. I'm not Esau. I'm Jacob. But suddenly he looked at himself. He said, do I look, Jacob? There has been a lamb that has been slain for that blessing. Your Jesus when God is going to look at you, he's not going to look at, oh, Julius Borah, I know. Of course, I'm Julius Borah. I'm sinner. Yes, I've done it. But look at that. The blood of the lamb. Yeah, there is a, there's a, there's a lamb that has been slain for me that I could have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that righteousness makes me eligible to go in front of my bridegroom. And the last thing is the aisals. It's the, power to see. When Jesus was going, being ascended, before he ascended, he said, you know, wait in Jerusalem so you can receive your first paycheck. <laughs> you can get your first property. No. He said, so you would get the power. That power. All that they needed was the power. They had the faith. They had the righteousness. But now they needed the power, the Holy Ghost. And look what Peter did. I mean, three chapters before, he's denying Jesus because he was powerless. He didn't have that strength, but after receiving the Holy Ghost, he stands there and he proclaims the whole nine yards about the salvation of God. He said, you crucified Jesus Christ. It's your time to give your heart to Jesus. And their hearts were pricked. We are worried about our ears being pricked. You know, five, six, seven, get the heart pricked. Preach that the people's heart would be pricked. That they said, what shall we do? My question to you is the same. Are you ready? The marriage supper of the lamb is coming nigh. We have started preparing for our Christmas thing. Folks, there won't be no other Christmas. He's not coming on Christmas thing. He's not coming in a manger anymore. The angels are not going to come and do the carol and Proclaim that for you a savior is born. No, it's not a savior anymore. He is my bridegroom. Would you all stand at your feet? Marriage is honorable in all. It is time for us to focus on that marriage thing. Because he is coming after a bride. Not after an aunt or a nephew. Any other relation. No, he said, no, I don't want all of that. I want a bride. That is pure, righteous, and without blemish. These things that he gave, the gold, the faith, the white raiment, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, the I-Self, is to prepare the bride for his stature, his royalty. We are wretched down here. But that amazing grace gave us all these things to prepare ourselves so we get to the level. I remember one time I bought a very expensive perfume for Ruth. Gave it to her. The sticker was still on. And she looked at the price. She said, Oh, my goodness. You bought that uh, expensive perfume for, for me? I said, no, Ruth. That's for me. <laughs> and, 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 and she said, wait, wait, wait a minute. It's a lady's perfume. I said, no. I, I know that. I said, but you will put on, and I got to smell. Our praise and worship is not for me, it's for him. When you lift up your hands and you get into praise, it's not for you. Who wants to be with a stinking spouse? (laughs) Hallelujah. Your praise and worship makes your bridegroom attracted to you. Lift up your eyes and your hands and say, Lord, I want to be prepared. He has already given us every ingredient and everything that is needed. You may have all the recipes and all the cookbooks in your kitchen. You may have all the spices and all the ingredients. But when the kids come in, they are not asking how many books you got, mama. They are not going to ask how many spices you got in your closet. They are going to ask, is the food? (laughs) Your bridegroom is asking you, are you ready? Should I come right now? If you feel that, yes, I need to be ready. I've been focusing on this and that and all of that. But God's spirit has quickened you that you would understand it's time for me to get ready. When the bride is ready for the marriage, all that she is focusing is focusing on the bridegroom. She doesn't care whether the lake is dry or there's water in there. She doesn't care who goes for fishing and hunting. She is focusing on her marriage and wedding day. A lot of things going on around the world. Would you just take all your eyes off of all those events and things and make yourself ready? Because the bridegroom will come. His coming is imminent. And they that were ready went into the house with the bridegroom. No matter how good looking, bad looking, whatever you are. It doesn't matter. As I said, it's not about us. It's about our bridegroom and are we prepared to receive him? Close your eyes for a moment. Let me pray for you and let me see if God gives me any word. For any one of you. Hallelujah. 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 There's somebody. Is worried about just like Martha. Jesus has to tell her. That you care for so much. You are worrying for so many other things. That don't even Matter. They are completely irrelevant. You need to focus on what's going to give you the place where nobody would ever take it from you. Look at Mary. She has taken a place which will never be ever taken from her. If you feel like you are one of those persons that is carrying so much things in your mind, gazillion things. I got to do this. I got to finish that. I got to get there. God is saying let me handle that and take that burden off of you so you can be more free to worship me. (laughs) I am your bridegroom. When are you going to pay attention to me? If you feel like you are in that kind of state, just lift up your hand wherever you are. That you have so many things going on in your mind, in your life. And you say, Lord, I want to lay all those burdens aside. And I want to get ready. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. I see your hand. Hallelujah. Folks, God has blessed this nation. God has blessed you guys beyond imagination. Let's not caught up in all those blessings and miss going into the house with the bridegroom. Just come forward. I'd like to pray for you guys who wants the burden to be lifted off from your mind. Please come. It's not your burden anymore. Jesus said, you have stepped forward and I have already taken care of that burden. Hallelujah. Your worries... Is not your worries. Because I've already taken care of it. But don't lose your eyesight. Fill with the Holy Ghost. And keep looking at Jesus. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Is there anyone who is uh, burdened with uh, 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 credit and, uh, you know, is in debt? I'm talking about financial debt. Because it happened in India. I was preaching right in the middle of my prayer. God asked me to pray for the people who are in debt. Eight people got up. I said, come forward. I don't know. I'm not a financial advisor. But I know a God who owns the silver and gold and everything. And within a year, supernaturally, all their debts were canceled. Hallelujah. And this morning... If you are one of them. I mean, we all have credits here and there. I'm not talking. I mean, if it's really bothering you. It's almost like you are in prison of the debt. But you need to be free. And get out of it. And your God is able. Your God is able. Yes, 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 yes. That is not a sin, please. Be aware. It's not a sin. But it's a burden. And it can really bog you down. Anything that would hinder me to come to Christ. Come to my bridegroom. I want to take care of it. Right now. It's now. Our God is a now God.
0: praying i just want to close and uh, dismiss those that need to go but otherwise you're welcome to come up and receive prayer so if you would just bow your heads lord we just thank you for sending brother julius here this is a blessing lord we we want to touch the world and through men of god like this lord You've provided that way, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you for bringing an increase of finance and all those things. But, Lord, I pray that what he spoke would go deep into our hearts and challenge us this week. Lord, we thank you. Lord, bless the people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said amen. You're welcome to come up around for prayer. He's going to continue to pray for you. Oh. And and also, if you have nothing going on tonight, we'd like to invite you down to Chippewa. He'll be speaking there. So come and get blessed down in the Chippewa location. And uh, we hope to see you there. God bless you guys. Amen.